Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest drivers, trends and movements in livestock, grain and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Agar. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We've got a market recap in store today with Mercado's senior analyst, Adrian Ladaniski, to chat about what's been influencing livestock and wool markets and what the current forecasts have in store for the season ahead. We'll get into it pretty quickly today after a thank you to today's sponsor. Meridian Agriculture is a multidisciplinary specialist consultancy established by Dr. Mike Stevens. Meridian 16 consultants spread across six locations in New South Wales and Vic employ an evidence-based scientific approach to farming and a personalised manner with their clients. Meridian specialises in improving both financial and operational aspects of farming enterprises and guiding families through the often difficult transition of succession planning. Head to their website, meridian-ag.com.au, to learn more. Well, it's great to have you on here today, Adrian. I feel like it's been a bit of a while since we've done a normal market recap, so looking forward to diving into it today. Thanks, Liv. I'm glad to be here. Well, and I feel like a bit of a broken record here, Adrian, no pun intended, uh, saying that the Eastern Young Cattle Indicators hit another record this week when really everyone expected that it was going to start to ease off. It's actually done the opposite. So what do you think has changed in the marketplace to make that happen? Is it all the story of tight cattle markets? Oh, tell me about Liv. It seems like every, uh, just about every week I'm saying that the Ekis hit another record and I really feel like I'm basically going to have to eat my hat saying that the market had topped out um, a couple of months ago when it really started looking like it was struggling. Um, there's been a number of factors, I guess, that have, that have come through that have led us to this point. And I guess one thing that um, I've probably been talking about a fair bit over the last few weeks is just the tightness um, that has occurred in the cattle market recently. And, and last week um, was certainly no exception. We saw a huge fall in, in yardings, which was unexpected. And a bigger than we bigger than expected for one slaughter as well, which just tightened up the market substantially. Um, probably led towards um, some of the price rises we saw last week. And when the numbers come out um, this week, I don't think we'll see anything much different. I just to sort of round it off um, at thirty one thousand head this um, week. Um, we're at a ten year record low for this time of the year. It's thirty seven percent below the five year average, and we've slaughtered at ninety five thousand head. We're also at 10-year record lows. Um, it's never been live this time of year. Uh, that's 31% below the norm too. Um, so that's all indicative, I guess, about how many, uh, how few cattle um, are really being put out there by producers um, and the ability for our processors to actually slaughter, um, slaughter them. So there just isn't a lot of cattle out there, Liv, and that's, that's a large amount of what's been driving up these prices, especially for young cattle. Yeah, so, that 10-year ten, record low certainly does a lot to explain it and puts in perspective the numbers that we're seeing at the moment coming through to yards and, and to processes, Adrian. But one of the other things, I guess, that we need to keep an eye on as well is the supply that's coming through to online markets, which we know has grown as a sales channel. So is that a factor that also needs to be looked at when you're talking about tight supply? Well, yes and no, Liv. Look, um, we know a lot of supplies going online through Options Plus. And like 2020 saw their yardings increase over 60% um, uh, to an excess of 700,000 head uh, for the year. 
Um, that's about 14% of the typical, you know, 5 million um, total head of, of cattle that get, get auctioned every year. But look, something I've been looking into probably over the last few months has been market structure of the Australian cattle markets. Um, and the research I've done sort of suggests that a pretty significant portion of this move online isn't necessarily actually being cannibalised out of the auction markets, um, but it's possibly been coming from private transactions um, that never actually saw the light of day uh, in terms of numbers um, and weren't reported. So we might just be seeing a little bit more transparency in the marketplace coming out of um, there being more um, yardings online, um, Liv. The other thing as well is like we talk a lot about you know, the Eastern Young Cattle um, Indicator, and we put a lot of focus on that. But um, the heavy steer price is actually a big thing as well. And basically, because it's key to actually be able to make any real money uh, out of growing young cattle. And, and that's obviously a big concern to anyone who's thinking about buying at these really elevated levels. This week, um, heavy steers recovered from a really nasty 6% slide last week, which was a bit unexpected. Um, and they jumped 42 cents or 11% to 426 cents kilo live weight. That's a huge jump. Um, all the time that I've been looking at the markets over the last year, uh, I haven't seen it go up this much. And where, where did all this price rise actually come from from the heavies? And it was coming out of New South Wales. It went up 64 cents, about 16%, uh, up to 463 cents a kilo. So if you're looking to sell your... Um, <clears throat> heavy cattle in the near term and you're in New South Wales, it's looking pretty good for you at the moment. Yeah, which is something to consider for those looking for light steers to background. Improvements in finished cattle price is good news, but it's the price in summer that they'll need to be looking at closely for those trading margins. And one of the big factors in that, of course, is the season and how that impacts supply over the next six months. I got a call from Rob this morning who was travelling out near Birdsville and he said that there is water just lying around waiting to be soaked up and the country is just looking exceptional in some areas and the cattle looking exceptional. And Of course, there are pockets that have missed out, but what is the outlook for the season ahead though? Are the current forecasts anything that we can get really excited about? Now, I guess one thing that we all look at is probably the bomb three-month forecast. Um, now, that's actually got a really rosy prediction. Like out to November, the bomb's expecting an 80% chance of median rainfall being exceeded uh, for most of the East Coast, with maybe the exception of parts of Vic. Um, and unfortunately, WA is going to miss out there. But, I mean, that's looking really great in the near term uh, out to the start of summer. But something I've been looking at um, recently uh, with has been the um, European Centre for Medium Range Weather Forecast, ECMWF model, modelling that comes out. And that goes out till January 22. So when we look at um, the results of that, um, the preliminary model forecast that, that, um, that they've put out is actually forecasting Australia to possibly be under the influence of a really weak um, La Nina um, out to summer, which I think is a really exciting thing uh, for producers there. So if we go into the details of that, there's an area uh, out in the up northeast of Australia and Central Pacific called the Nino Region 3.4. Now, that's expected to cool. Um, and ocean temperatures um, south of India, um, which is sort of referred to as the Indian Dipole, they're all so expected to cool. 
Um, and that all points towards a weak La Nina. Um, the overall message, though, is when we look at the modelling that they've put out, though, is that rainfall is forecast to be above average for most of New South Wales, Vic, and northern um, Queensland again um, through the start of this summer. Um, and I think that's probably going to be one thing that's uh, going to be on the minds of producers when they're thinking about purchasing uh, cattle and growing them out again, Liv. Um, and I think it's, it's quite bullish, I guess, for demand going forward. Yeah, it is. It is, Adrian. And I think we can definitely have our fingers crossed that 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 current forecast comes to fruition. I mean, La Nina was something that sort of turned over um, earlier this year. But if it's back on the radar again, I think it's something that we can all look forward to uh, getting another good good end to the year and start to next year. You make a really good point there, Liv, actually. Forecasts are just forecasts. And when you're going this far out, there's not a whole lot of certainty. Um, but it is a good signal one way or the other. So, Yeah. And look, Adrian, we've spoken about young cattle and your domestic restocker demand. We've spoken about the seasonal outlook. But the other one factor that's playing into the market at the moment is international prices and specifically our export beef price. So tell me a bit about what's happened there over the last few weeks. Look, the nice sales were actually been pretty steady um, this week in Australian dollar terms, but that's only because of the de- depreciating dollar. It actually ticked down a tad um, in, US, uh, in US dollar terms. Looking forward, though, I guess one thing that's coming uh, out from the analysis from Steiner Consulting is that they reckon that buyers in the US are currently concerned that prices could actually reach over $3 a kilo, uh, $3 a pound, sorry, or $8.80 a kilo uh, for 90 CL, basically because of the tightness in imported volumes up in the US at the moment. But headwinds on US beef demand actually do exist. There's the thought, I guess, out there that a lot of these elevated um, beef prices in the US and internationally, basically because of uh, stimulus um, payments uh, and measures. Um, and I guess some of the behavioural influences of COVID-19, people eating more at home, eating beef for health and that sort of thing. And with, I guess, vaccination rates increasing, starting to open up a little bit more, that stimulus effect is, and COVID effect is probably going to start falling away. Um, and that's already been reflected in the US markets, uh, we can see. So their choice cutouts fall $55 or 16%, and, but that's mostly in the, in the high-value state cuts. Now, that's eventually this fallen price is actually is going to flow through the lower-value mints as well, and that'll end up affecting the, the 90CL. Um, so I guess the message there is that the elevated prices we're seeing in the US, they're probably not going to um, last indefinitely. And moving on to the exports, our exports are down 4%. A lot of that, I guess, is down to uh, our lower slaughter and our high prices, um, limited capacity pay from our export markets. But countries such as South Korea, um, which was actually looking really strong this year, it's come off the boil a fair bit. And unfortunately, what looked like a really great emerging market in the Philippines, uh, it's actually fallen back as they've fixed some of their pork supply issues there. And, the, and their imports of Australian beef have dropped. So uh, <clears throat> all of this really does in the future and, and for Australian uh, domestic cattle prices, we do need to be able to sell this beef um, and those international prices are going to have to hold up for us to be able to continue uh, 
tracking at the elevated levels that we are now. So what's been happening in lamb sheep markets lately? Well, it's a, always an exciting time of year at this point, Adrian, for sheep and lamb markets. It's when supply tightens up and we typically see lamb prices reaching their peak for the year. And we have seen lamb prices rally over recent weeks. So the Eastern States trade lamb indicator was at 879 cents on Thursday. And that was 13% higher than the same time last year, but is still lagging about 8% below the same time in 2019 when when we saw all that um, really strong demand take off for our product overseas due to African swine fever outbreaks uh, in China and that huge you know, protein vacuum situation coming out from there. But it's not only lamb that's really been taken off, it's mutton that's been the shining light of the ovine market at the moment with price improvements just week after week. And, you know, this week the National Mutton Indicator gained only $0.03 cents to $0.695. Cents. But while that $0.03 cent lift sort of tells us that Support, uh, the rally might be running out of steam. It was enough to push the National Mutton Indicator a lot higher than we've seen in a long time. So I think it was uh, in March 2020 when the mutton price rallied to 729 cents is the only time that we've seen it that high. But uh, the other important thing is to always look at those prices in US dollar terms because that'll give us an indication of how that price is looking to overseas buyers. And so when we do that and convert it into US dollar terms, mutton has actually been more expensive before. It's still trading at the top end of the range, but no doubt these prices, they're going to be drawing out any surplus sheep that are hanging around in paddocks over the next few weeks. Well, I don't particularly want it to lift any further because I really do enjoy a good lamb roast when I cook it to live. So it's been the first week of wool selling season as well. And um, how did that end up going? A fair few bales were, were submitted from what I understand. Um, but um, how, the, how did the sale go? Yeah, so a really big offering this week for the first week of the new selling season. But the last fortnight, we have seen wool prices ease off highs. So there was about a six-week run of price improvements um, and they have e- eased off now, but they are still much better than they were this time last year. I should clarify a little. So fine wool prices are a lot stronger than they were this time last year. But the 19 micron price guide is up 36% year on year, while the 21 is 8% higher. And one of the interesting things, though, that Angus Brown looked at on Mercado this week was whether the recovery in wool prices is likely to be enough to see more merino joinings next year or some of the weathers saved from the market. And you can head to the Mercado website for more details on, on the full breakdown. But what he found was that while wool prices have improved, they are still at a lower than normal premium to lamb values. So running a couple of income scenarios, if he found that weather incomes have risen a lot, but lamb and merino use are just well in front, which tells us that we'd probably have to see further increases in wool prices for strong merino flock expansion where, you know, it's in that country where meat sheep are an option. So for commodity markets, Adrian, I think it's a pretty positive recap all around this week. Uh, most certainly. And I'll see you next week, um, Liv. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Adrian. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode of Commodity Conversations. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button or follow and please share the podcast around with anyone you think might find it useful. 
Take care and we'll be back next week.